Our scripture reading this morning comes from two different books of the Bible, Matthew 16, chapter 16, and Mark chapter 7. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The word of the Lord. Dear Lord, please be with Andrew as he brings us your word and as he speaks. And please be with us as we listen so that we will leave here following the two great commandments of loving you and loving others better than ourselves and be better witnesses to your truth, beauty, and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Morning again. It's good to be together with you and and open God's word. It's my third Sunday back uh, from sabbatical. Some of you may remember on Easter when I was getting ready to go out on sabbatical, we were looking at Matthew chapter 7 and sort of the closing of the Sermon on the Mount there. And there was a distinction in that passage between those who were coming before the Lord and and talking a lot. And uh, Jesus said, Depart from me, I never knew you. It wasn't simply because they were talking, but we, we did note that. Uh, the distinction between those and, and those who heard his words and, and understood that. And I said at that time, I said, you know, one of my goals uh, going out on sabbatical is to try to be a good listener, to listen to God's word and, and maybe not spend so much time talking. And I know a number of you were, were praying for that. Uh, it became even a focus, and I appreciate uh, all of those prayers and, and that partnership in that. I also know that a number of you were just uh, connected into that idea, like, 
you know, I'm, I'm really curious about that. What, is it, what does it mean to listen to God? Like, how do we, how do we hear His voice? Because uh, I, I want to both experience this in the everyday sense of life as we walk through uh, our lives and we interact with people around us, interact with creation, interact with people at work, our kids, you know, all of these different things. Like, how do, I, how do I hear God in the midst of that, in the midst of joy, in the midst of sorrow? Um, how do I experience His presence? But we also feel that when it comes to a lot of the big things of life. And I was rem- reminded of that again this week, just in the numerous uh, meetings and conversations that have been privileged to have, just how many big things are on our plate, decisions that have to be made, decisions about colleges and what we're going to study, decisions about jobs and job changes and, and what we're going to do, decisions about how to parent and, and what choices to make with regards to these things. And uh, we, we want to hear from the Lord. We, we don't want to just make these decisions on our own. We don't want to rely on our own reason, but sometimes we feel stuck, like, What does it mean to hear from the Lord? How do I experience that? And it seems like sometimes we we sort of go back and forth, and maybe I'm just talking a little bit about the evangelical church here. It it seems that we we find ourselves moving towards one ditch or the other, and it's not always this black and white. Sometimes we find ourselves in both ditches simultaneously. You know, on the one hand, uh, there is this move towards rationalism. Ever since the Enlightenment, you know, we have the Word, you read the Word, and uh, you should be able to reason it out, understand you have everything that you need. On the other hand, there is sort of this mysticism, uh, you know, the spirit, the, uh, you know, you just have a sense of, of where God is leading you. And sometimes we, we find that we bounce from one ditch to another or we find ourselves in one place looking for God to speak to us in a particular way. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we go forward? Uh, I want to look at God's Word this morning uh, and see if we can't find a way maybe to steer safely through these ditches. Not that it's always going to be easy. In fact, um, I think one of the observations that we'll make this morning is that Hearing from God takes some work on our part. Uh, Hearing from God is sometimes something that is hard fought, uh, even in the course of the Christian life. But ultimately, I hope that this is an encouragement for you that God really does speak to His people, and we commune with Him as we go uh, day by day, week by week, even hour by hour. I want to walk us through just kind of with this thought that, you know, our struggle to hear becomes focused through the Word and is given life by the Spirit. But I, I thought it would be good to start us with just our struggle to hear because, you know, our, our verse for the week is this idea that when Peter makes this confession of who Christ is, 
Incidentally, you know, quoting from Isaiah, quoting from uh, the, the revelation of the word that was with him, Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There is the, uh, the assumption on the part of Jesus that for Peter to truly have come to this understanding of who Jesus was, his eyes needed to be opened. Uh, he needed to have a revelation that went beyond flesh and blood, a revelation that came from the Father who is in heaven. And Mark 7 really helps us to understand this. This is the uh, accounting of the miracle that Brian read for us. Uh, Jesus' miracles oftentimes, well, being the thing themselves, like Jesus you know, dealt miraculously with people when he lived on this earth. Uh, he was blessing this man uh, who was deaf and who was mute, and, and Jesus was coming full of compassion and mercy. But these miracles often functioned, uh, in addition to the miracle themselves, as signs that were pointing us to a truth that was deeper even than, than just the miracle itself. John is really good at, at pointing out that miracles were signs. So, for instance, when Jesus changes the waters into wine, it, it wasn't just about providing wine for a wedding. It was about pointing forward to the great wedding feast of the Lamb, and the wine which Jesus was going to provide was His very blood. There was, there was something deeper in that that Jesus was communicating for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Here, Jesus is healing this man who is, is deaf and who is mute, and you see kind of how the miracle progresses. He, he takes him aside from the crowd. He puts his fingers into his ears after spitting, touches his tongue. He looks up to heaven, and he sighs, and he says to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened, and the man's ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. What's going on here? Uh, two things I want to highlight for you that I think will be helpful for us just to ground ourselves in, in learning to listen and, and learning to hear. Uh, the first is this. Uh, we, we struggle to hear because of the brokenness of the world. You know, when, when the text says here that Jesus sighed, uh, there is a connection to another passage of Scripture. And, and this is the, the passage that is in John when Jesus is coming up to the tomb of Lazarus. You know, there it, it tells us that Jesus groaned as he saw the, the unbelief of the people. And it's the exact same word. There is this deep evocative response that, that Jesus has when, when he encounters the brokenness of the world, the brokenness of the world that stops up ears, the brokenness of the world that uh, um, tightens the tongue, uh, binds the tongue, the brokenness of the world that causes death, uh, both the brokenness that we experience in what we call the, the pollution of sin, 
uh, things that happen in and around us, things in which we are not necessarily guilty for, but we bear the effects of, as well as uh, the guilt of sin, sins that, uh, things that we do in our life that, that we are culpable for, things that are rebellious against the Creator. And, and what Jesus is recognizing here is that this man cannot hear, cannot speak, because he is in a world that is filled with the pollution and the guilt of sin, the brokenness of the world. And this is our problem. You know, Jesus isn't sighing just on account of this man, but he's sighing on account of all of us. We were made for communion with God. We were made for communion with one another, and yet we're stopped up, and yet uh, our, our ears are plugged, our, our lips are, are sealed, our tongues are bound because we are surrounded uh, by this, uh, by the brokenness, the sinfulness of the world. And that's part of our problem. You know, why is it that we struggle to hear from God? Well, it's because of where we live. We live in a world where there is an evil one. We uh, have been highlighting that in our Lord's Prayer to Panaru, deliver us from the evil one, not just the, the, the broad sense of evil, but the actual fact that we have an enemy and, and he is distorting our ability to hear. He is distracting us uh, from being able to listen to God. And, and this is the sighing of the Savior that recognizes that it is a difficult um, a difficult business for us to listen to the Lord. The second thing that I, I think is really interesting about this uh, account, this miracle, and part of the reason why I wanted to share it with you is uh, just how tender Jesus is in this. You know, notice he takes him aside privately. Um, he, he deals with him one-on-one. Uh, and, you know, one of the great things about the Scriptures is that even while God is the Savior of the world, uh, He never misses us individually. He, he always sees us. Uh, and, and this is, I think, something that is really encouraging and important to hang on to. And then Jesus bends Himself. He accommodates Himself to this man. Uh, remember, this man cannot hear or speak. You know, so how did he even know what was going on? You know, his friends brought him to Jesus. Were, were they able to communicate to him somehow what they were asking of Jesus? Uh, but Jesus makes it very clear to him what he's doing. You know, he puts his fingers in his ears. I'm going to help you hear. Uh, he he does something with his tongue, and then he, he touches the man's tongue, and he says, I'm, I'm going to help you here. And it's just this incredibly personal, incredibly accommodating thing that Jesus does to, to come and to help this one who was so bound and so caught up. And it's just so incredibly beautiful to think that 
That is how God deals with us. You know, we, we all have our, our sense of, of deafness, and muteness, of blindness, all of these different things. Uh, but Jesus knows, and He is willing to not only help us, but to help us in a way to, to bend Himself uh, to, to touch us, to, to enter our lives very particularly that we might learn to hear. And again, I, I hope this is encouraging to you because I know that you come frustrated. You know, maybe some of you are seeking to hear a word from the Lord. Maybe you even, you know, still yourself. You, you have quiet times, but then you're just so distracted uh, over and over and over again. It's hard for you to focus as much as you want to. Uh, maybe some of you are, are hurt. Uh, you're dealing with past things, and there's this sense in which you want to hear from the Lord, but there's this obstacle that you cannot get over. Uh, a disappointment, a wound, uh, a, a, a rejection, a betrayal that you have felt, and, and you can't get over. God knows these things. He knows your particular obstacle, and He is willing to enter into that with you. So, we struggle to hear brokenness of the world, and yet we have a Savior who accommodates Himself to us in order that He might speak. But now, what does that mean? You know, and this is really the question of the day. Like, how do we hear from God? What does that look like? All right, you're, you're telling me that it's hard. I know that. You're telling me that, that Jesus uh, accommodates Himself to us. I hear that, but, but what does it look like? Two things for you, uh, the Word and the Spirit. And, and I think it's the Word and the Spirit that help us steer clear both of mysticism uh, that is not grounded as well as rationalism uh, that is not really alive, that doesn't deal with some of the mystery of what it means to be in relationship with the Almighty Creator. First of all, the Word. I, I think many of you know that God has given us His Word, and His Word is where He has revealed Himself to us. We have a high opinion of the Word here at the church. We believe that it is our authority. We believe that it is uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it is infallible. Uh, it's our rule. It's our guide for faith and practice. We believe that it is in the Word that we meet God. Uh, we would uh, really... We, we look at God's Word as the way that forms us, and, and we think of Psalm 1, kind of the gateway to the whole psalm, where we hear that blessed is the man who, of course, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Word of God, the law being uh, sort of a, a synecdoche, a, a part for the whole. Uh, the, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, and on this law, he meditates day and night. This is the attitude of someone who will hear from God. 
you know, who would, who desires to hear from God, that, that the Word of God is their delight. We spent a, a whole uh, series last spring talking about Psalm 119, sweeter than honey is the Word of God to our Uh, to our hearts as we take it in as believers. Paul says something very similar when he's talking about the community. He's talking about what it means to be alive uh, in God as a church, as individuals. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called in one body. Be thankful, Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yeah, so here Paul sees the word almost personified, you know, the word dwelling in you richly. Uh, that is how we are able to, to uh, teach one another, to encourage one another, uh, to learn to love one another. This is how we hear from God day by day, uh, the big choices of life. Martin Luther is, um, you know, a reformer and who really experienced God in, in very real and personal ways um, and, and had a, a rich appreciation for the Word of God. He, he says things like this, let, let the one who would hear God speak, if you want to hear God speak, read Holy Scripture. Uh, in commenting on Psalm 119, he says, in this psalm, David always says that he will speak, think, talk, hear, read, day and night constantly, but about nothing else than God's word and commandments. For God wants to give you uh, his Holy Spirit only through the external word. That's kind of a phrase that, that Luther uh, develops and, and lands on, and, and he talks about the Scriptures as, as God's external Word. Uh, it, it's something that comes to us objectively. It, it is a repository of truth, uh, and it is something that we can always go to. You know, when we are consumed by our experience, we can go to God's external word uh, that is able to speak to us from a place of power, from a place of truth. Um, the word of God is the greatest, most necessary, most important thing in kingdom, in, the, in Christendom. Without the external word, we would not know one spirit from the other. The objective personality of the Holy Spirit himself would be lost in a blur of subjective expressions. And I think that's something that is really important for us to grasp onto. Just overall, this, con- this, uh, this theme that you will not hear from God uh, if you are apart from His Word. If you are not reading it, meditating on it, thinking about it, uh, taking it in, uh, we should have little expectation 
that we would hear for God. And I, I just can't overemphasize that enough, you know, for us as a community, for us as individuals, as you are looking to commune with God daily, as you are looking to hear a word from the Lord in making these big decisions of your life, uh, we, we have to come to God's external word and make it a priority in our lives. You know, there are lots of ways that, that you can do this. You, you can start your day with the Word of God. You can end your day with the Word of God. You can, you know, observe sort of a, a type of daily office throughout the day, morning, noon, uh, evening, nighttime. I mean, there are all sorts of ways that we can do that. We even have apps to help us. You can listen to uh, the Word of God uh, as it's read to you when you're driving in the car. Again, there's power in coming into contact with the Word. Uh, and so finding the way to do that, Bible reading plan, uh, Bible study, you've heard about that. We have Bible studies for men, for women, for groups of people within our C groups and other things, uh, youth group, you know, centering around the Word, seeking to listen to, understand the Word. It, it, it cannot hardly be overemphasized. Having said that, I, I know it's not easy. Even Luther talks about just the difficulties that he had in not only reading the Word, but, but having it speak to him. Uh, some of you know, you know, sort of his famous tower experience where he was reading in, in, uh, in Romans and he was talking about this righteousness from God that had been revealed. And he was, he was so upset because he was seeking to... He was seeking to be right with God. He had an ardent desire to be right with God, but just was frustrated in that. And uh, he felt frustrated by the Holy Scriptures. Here is how he recounts it. He says, though I lived as a monk seeking to live without reproach, I still felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I, I could not believe that he was not placated by my satisf or, uh, placated by my satisfaction, and some of you know that that Luther was very, very diligent in beating himself and you know all sorts of other ways in order to seek to placate God. I did not love yes I, I hated the righteousness of God who punished sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, was murmuring greatly against. I was angry with God. So he was reading this about the righteousness of God and, and it wasn't freeing for him. In fact, it was causing him to hate God. He was like, this, this isn't fair. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't how I'm, I'm living before you. Nevertheless, he says, I beat importunately upon Paul at that place, most ardently desiring to know what Paul wanted. And at last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of words, namely, it, in it, righteousness of God is revealed as it is written, he who through faith is righteous. 
uh, shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely faith. But what I want to emphasize there is just how difficult it was for Luther. I mean, here he was as a smart, intelligent, obviously. I mean, the man went on to write countless numbers of books, you know, led an entire Reformation. This guy is, is not stupid. Uh, he is very bright, very intelligent, and yet, you know, he had to beat upon Paul in order to say, you know, tell me the secret. Tell me what you are trying to say here by meditating day and night, you know, not leaving it alone, but continuing to come back to it. Uh, the Word of God calls that kind of dedication to us. And it's within that then, uh, of course, that the Holy Spirit opened his mind to begin to see uh, begin to see the truth of what, uh, what St. Paul was talking about there in Romans chapter 1. Get to the Holy Spirit in just a minute. But, but just this idea that, you know, coming to the Word is not easy. You know, we just saying, you know, for you, O Lord, my soul in stillness way. Just being still is not easy. Uh, you know, having a time where you are, are, are putting aside other things or bringing them intentionally before the Lord, focusing on His Word. But it's worth it. It's worth it to work at it. It's worth it to, to keep persevering, to, to suck the marrow. You know, sometimes uh, the illustration of, of hard candy is used. You can't just bite it and really enjoy it. You've got to allow it to linger. You've got to allow it to, to be in your mouth and, and, and to really persevere as you go through with that. But it is the Spirit, ultimately, that, that brings life to the world, Word. And this is why rationalism is not sufficient. And this is somewhat of the mystery that we experience when we come to the Word of God. We heard it in our verse, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. It's not your flesh. It's not your intellect. It's not your ability. Uh, it's not my intellect. It's not my ability. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father uh, who is in heaven uh, my Father, the one from whom the Spirit proceeds, the Father and the Son, in order to come into our hearts, to take up residence with us, to teach us. Jesus says in, in John chapter 16, he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So if you are in Christ, if you've surrendered yourself to this one uh, who gave his life for you, who is the Word of God incarnate, uh, come to speak to us of, of the deep truths of God, we have the Spirit. 
And Jesus says to his disciples, I, I still have many things to say to you. This is John 16, incidentally. I'm reading in verse 12 right now, 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It is the Spirit of God, Paul says, that testifies with our spirit uh, of the reality of, of the truth of who God is, the reality that if we have surrendered our lives to Him, Romans 8, that we are adopted and that we cry out, Abba, Father. It's the Spirit that takes the Word, the external Word, and, and breathes on it and vivifies it and, and brings it to life. It, he animates that Word in our minds and in our hearts in such a way that we hear from God. I, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. It, it's no longer just words on a page. It, it's no longer just language, uh, you know, a subject and a verb and an object. It, it is actually the voice of God that is made alive by the Spirit, that penetrates us particularly because we are individuals, that speaks to us uh, in time, speaks to us in season, given what we are undergoing, and helps us to move forward in a particular way. There is uh, a couple of things here that I think we can, uh, we can observe. You know, one is we've talked about stillness a little bit. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about resting, uh, delighting, coming apart, finding those times in our lives, those periods where we, we can hear from God. Yeah, you remember Elijah when he was taken up into the mountain of God, and he was in a very, he was in a very difficult time in his life where, you remember, he wanted to end it all. Uh, he would have been happy if God would have just killed him, uh, but God had more work for him, and, and there was the fire, and there was the flame, and there was the earthquake, and there was the storm, and none of the... <clears throat> None of these dramatic expressions uh, did uh, Elijah hear the word of, or, you know, he didn't hear God's voice, but it wasn't until, you know, the quiet whisper, the, the still small voice, and, and that's where Elijah was able to hear God, this practice of stillness. Uh, is something that is really important. And, you know, some of what we, we do with the Word is, is just allow it to speak. I mean, they, 
Some of you are journalers, fantastic. I, I like to journal my prayers back to God. But sometimes we just sit with the Word. Uh, and, and it may be something that the Lord lays on our heart and we, we continue to wrestle with that. You know, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. But my Father who is in heaven, Lord, I, I don't understand this. You know, help me to unlock that. And we, we see a father who cares about us and who loves us. He, you know, Jesus doesn't say, you know, the Almighty who is in heaven. He, he calls him Father. And, and we're invited into that, but we have to slow down uh, in order to, to hear from God. And again, we, we have an enemy and distraction and speed and all of these things which sometimes can seem so good can be working against the very things that will allow us to hear from God. Secondly, uh, just observing that, you know, the Spirit works in our hearts. And we believe that. Uh, we, we believe that in, in so many ways. We don't only believe it for ourselves, but we also believe it for those around us. Uh, so when we trust that, that means that, that we can begin to hear God's voice through the community. That passage that I read to you in Colossians 3, and I'm thinking about this, we're going to welcome the baitings in uh, a little bit later uh, into our community to take up sort of residence in that. Um, we're given to each other because we all have the Spirit. We all hear the voice of God through the external Word, but in a way that makes sense to us and in a way that we can share with one another. You know, so Colossians talks about exhorting one another and encouraging one another and admonishing one another. Well, why can we do this? We, we can do this because the Spirit meets us individually in the course of our own, uh, in our own journeys, and He gives us uh, insights and illumination that can then be used in the life of another at, at a different time. And we, we actually hear God through His Word, never absent from His Word, but we hear God through His Word, through the life of others. It's one of the reasons why we believe in preaching. Like, if we didn't believe that God speaks to us through others, we would just get up and, and just simply read the Word of God. Uh, we wouldn't expound it, we wouldn't, uh, you know, seek to, to lead it out, but we believe that God speaks to us in community using the voice of others. And this is one of the, the reasons why we say, like, you know, if you, if you come up to a big decision in life, like, how do I do that? You know, I've got to make a job change, or I'm considering a career, or should I marry this dude? Uh, you know, how do we think about these things? Well, we, we certainly think about the Word of God. You know, we, we, we never do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. Uh, so, it, as long as that speaks clearly, we move in that direction. Um, you know, we, we may have uh, ideas about a relationship. Sometimes it's vague. Sometimes it's very clear. You know, if you are, are sleeping with that person, you need to stop. You know, God will never speak to you in a way that is contrary to His Word. But we also rely on community. 
And this is why if you're making a good, uh, a big decision, it's, it's a good thing to seek out mentors, to seek out people who you trust, have a relationship with the Word, uh, who understand this, uh, you know, what it is to hear from the Lord and to seek their advice, uh, and not just simply to rely on yourself. Now, that is a part, you know, the, if you want three C's for this, it, it's communion with God through His Word, like that's got to be a part of it. We, we've got to be reading His Word. We, we need to rely on community of those trusted believers in our lives, mentors, parents, you know, uh, wise men, women, peers in our community. Uh, but then also, we, we need to pay attention to uh, what God has put in us. God has put desires in us. He has put longings in us. He, he nudges us. He moves us in different directions. And, and we need to pay attention to those things. But we also have to watch out that we only pay attention to those things, uh, where, where we become uh, sort of self-important in that. And, and what we say that we're hearing with the Lord doesn't match up with His Word. I already gave you an illustration of that. Or the rest of the community isn't seeing it. They're saying, you know, I'm just not so sure about this, 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 and this. We, we have to learn to doubt ourselves because we have to recognize that rationally, we're not sufficient. Uh, emotionally, we're not sufficient. You know, we, we need a sort of balanced way of being before the Lord and keeping those sort of three things in line there, listening to the Word, listening to those around us who are wise, and uh, paying attention to the Spirit's work in our heart. Uh, keeping those in balance is a good way forward. Just one other thing that I'll mention with regards to that, and I, I put this in the watch out for category. Uh, you know, if we find ourselves unique or self-important, watch out for that. Watch out for over-relying on circumstances. Uh, I think sometimes we, we want to look for the open door kind of idea, and Sometimes God speaks to us in that way. You know, we, we, we sometimes use this language, we throw out the fleece. Uh, and if this happens, well then, that must mean that, that God wants us to go in that direction. Uh, very quickly, 30-some uh, years ago, I was with a campus ministry, and I was feeling a call into ministering in a church context. I had an opportunity to do so and uh, considered it, prayed about it, talked about it with mentors. One of the big problems was when I joined this campus ministry organization, I had made a three-year commitment to stay with them. I didn't sign in blood. Uh, I talked to uh, various mentors, some that were within the organization, and I had a sense that, you know, that God was leading me to take this position in the church. And uh, so I did. I, I broke the commitment and, and moved in that direction. As I was leaving that organization, the president, who I didn't know well but knew some, he was a very gracious man. His name was Bob Long. I honor him here. Uh, pulled me aside and he said, Andrew, we appreciate everything that you've done for us. Um, and uh, he said some very nice things. Uh, but I want you to know this. It's never right 
to break a commitment. And, you know, I've never forgotten that. And it, it has stuck with me, and I think about that now, and I look back at it, and I say, you know, all the circumstances lined up. Uh, everything was there for me to go. I, I had this internal sense. I, I had this open door. Uh, I had talked to other people. But I, I think that I, I didn't really hear from the Lord there because part of it is, you know, I think I really wanted to do that. Like, there, there was my own desires that were in there. And here, here's the good news. God Bless that, you know, despite what, what I would say was a wrong, maybe even sinful thing on my part all those years. And, and this is the good news. Like, we can never outsin God's plan. Uh, you know, God still, you know, as the Puritans say, he strikes a straight blow with a crooked stick. Uh, so I was very much a crooked stick. And but God bless that. He gave us wonderful years of ministry. We were here in Grand Rapids around family when our oldest daughter went through, you know, severe medical things, eventually died. I mean, I think about being in Pennsylvania during that time. And uh, so God blessed it, but it was wrong. And circumstances was one of the main things that I was relying on there. Uh, as I, so beware of circumstances in all of this. Let me draw this to a close because uh, uh, we, we, are, we are moving on in time. I appreciate your uh, patience in this. He, here's, here's, here's what I want you to hear. Uh, here's what, what God wants you to hear. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. You are not sufficient. You will struggle. But you have a Father in heaven who loves you and has given not only this external word, but he has given his very son, the word of God incarnate. And if you don't believe that the father loves his children, look at the cross. Look at what Jesus did in order to secure this relationship that you have. So your time with the Lord, your stillness before him, it's not a transaction. It's not, a, it's not a duty to be performed. It's not a box to be checked. But it is an invitation to walk with God. It is an invitation to hear His voice. It is an invitation to be led by Him in the little things in life, in the big things in life. To His glory as the Holy Spirit leads us. Will you pray with me? And I'm going to pray over us, and, and uh, just in the spirit of the morning, I, I'm going to allow for some time of stillness and, uh, and ask you to invite along with me uh, God to speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you for this word, the external word that uh, has come to us today in, in varied uh, from various places of this word that speaks to us of this relationship. Lord, we have this verse in front of us. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to us. Lord, we confess uh, that neither our intellect or our emotions, that our flesh and our blood are not sufficient. 
But Lord, we also um, acknowledge this morning that you are revealing yourself. And so, Lord, we pray this morning and we ask that as we are still before you, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. And like a good Father, a good, good Father, you are always there with us. You speak to us, you lead us, you guide us. Help us to be patient in that, help us to trust. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to us as a father. Go with us in this day, this week. Help us to walk before you. In Jesus' name, amen.